three ways couples can grow closer together. A podcast brought to you by Soka and the Fatima Center. How do you get started on developing your spiritual life? Set your plan of life with just three daily resolutions and a basic overall routine. And couples desiring a stronger relationship must also grow together in the interior life. All this and more is discussed by Kevin Rorty in this 15th episode of Our Ladies Shock Troops, a series dedicated to growth in the interior life. Praise be Jesus and Mary. I'm David Rodriguez, Content Director of the Fatim Center, and I'm joined by Kevin Rorty of Soka, Souls of the Christian Apostle. Kevin, welcome. Hey, David. It's great to be here. It's good to have you again. Uh, now that we're in the Easter season and Lent is behind us, we will continue moving on with our show, Our Lady Shock Troops. We'll go ahead, I guess, and get started with, with a prayer first. That's always a good way to start. If you'll lead us, please. Veni Sancte Spiritus, reple turum corda fidelium, et tui moris in eis in mescende, emite spiritum tuum ecrebuntur. Et renovabis facem terre. Oremus. Deus qui corda fidelium, Sancti Spiritus, illustratione docuisti, da nobis in eodem, spiritu recta sapere et eus semper consolatione gaudere, per Christum Dominum nostrum. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et nora mortis nostre. Amen. Sancta Teresia, ora pro nobis. Sancta Joseph, ora pro nobis. Nomine Patris, tu fides, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Well, thanks, Kevin. So, just to recap real quick where we were at, uh, we've done, I think, a fair amount in laying out some of the structure for the spiritual life, and we've sort of just, I think, begun by reminding people that we, we don't want mediocrity, we don't want to, I, I guess one way of thinking about it is we're just raising the bar, right, on what it really means to be Catholic, uh, but I think if one is truly motivated by love, love for our Lord, love for our Lady, with a, a great zeal and desire for heaven and for saving souls, then, then that's the natural thing, right? And so that's really what we want inflamed in our hearts. Uh, we need to develop strong interior lives, especially with regard to the crazy stuff happening in our world today, how just dead set it is against God, you know, the, the culture of death, if you will, the culture of enslavement, the culture of despair that permeates us. You know, we, we, we're not, we're not going to be that way as Catholics. So we've, and then we introduced the different stages of the spiritual life. So we talked about how if you're in the state of grace and you've been baptized and you obviously enter into that purgative stage, but in the parallel to the natural life, that's really just the, the childhood stage. And adolescence was sort of the illuminative stage, which you got through by passing uh, the dark night of the senses. And then you pass through the dark night of the soul and you reach the unitive stage. And you, of course, have uh, very, I think, passionately explained how this is for all the baptized and not just, you know, for the, the mystically elect few or the religious yep. hermits or the monks, right? I mean, is that a good good summary, really, of kind of where we've been? Yeah, so that was – I couldn't have done that that, that, that well. That was great. Uh, I think we've done 14 shows, so now here we are embarking our 15th show. And I think now maybe what we can start doing is getting a little bit more maybe into the nuts and bolts of things, you know, getting into the – 
Uh, hopefully people are already developing a plan of life and a program, you know, with the three hallmarks that we gave, with the daily meditation, with the rosary, with the spiritual reading. But I think all of those things could be maybe fleshed out a little bit more. And there's probably a lot of other pointers that can help kind of common questions you might receive. So like a Q&A when people yeah. are trying to really develop a spiritual life. Because, again, as we said, this really isn't a thing that people talk a lot about. You, you don't hear much about it. You, you don't get classes on it. I mean, if, you know, you study to be an engineer or a carpenter, a mechanic, whatever it is, you, you go through training, you go through courses, you learn the yeah. tools of the trade. But in our spiritual life, we often lack that. So hopefully this show can provide some of that. And I guess I would start just right there. If there's anything that you've got regarding a plan of life, discipline, routine, those sorts of things for people who do want to get far more serious about the interior life. Yeah. So, uh, well, I think we can do is we can walk through a few different sections that I, that we in SOCA at least have mapped out for things that we think are very helpful to give a general sense of a plan of life, a rule of life, and have a vision of where you're going. You know, that, that's what the notion of this is, is what is my life supposed to look like? What is the ideal I'm shooting for? Now, we're not supposed to be robots where we have everything mapped out and everything's going to be exactly as we planned it. But if you don't have an ideal, if you don't have a shooting star to aim at, you know, the promised land, so to speak, or whatever, you're not going to be moving in any direction. You're just going to be, you know, going with the wind. And as you were saying, David, you know, we've talked about these three stages, the beginner, intermediate, and advanced, the childhood, adolescent, and adult, but the beginner, intermediate, and advanced, that's parallel to like everything in life. There's always these different stages that you go through. You know, I think of in basketball, the initial, like, you're just barely able to, like, hold on to a basketball. And then, you know, and then you're finally just getting your form down. And then finally, at the end, you're able to play a full game. You've got all the components, you know, defensive stance, all that. So that's how we want to look at our spiritual life. We're soldiers in the church militant in this war for these innocent souls who are being robbed of who they are and their deaths. They're being led to damnation, to death. By Satan himself. We all know friends and family who have been led down this path, and we see they are not who we know them to be. And that is the fight we're in, and that begins with our own soul. If we're going to take that seriously, just like in any endeavor that we know is not easy, we're going to make a plan and we're going to follow through with a clear, you know, routine that will help us with that. So what I want to cover to start will be the first two sections that we have mapped out, which are your principal resolutions, your principal daily resolutions for your spiritual life. This is what most people think of when they think of a rule of life. They're just like, it's the bare bones. Like, what are your three or five or whatever things that you're doing every day in prayer? And then the second section, your overall routine. Now, we've already covered a lot on resolutions, so we'll just briefly recap that. And they very much tie into the routine. So we'll try to spend most of our time on the routine and a lot of FAQs and things like that that are related to the routine. But so we'll first start with the resolutions and get to routine. So as far as resolutions go, um, it's spiritual resolutions. You know, there's a lot of other, you know, decisions that you make it. You make thousands of decisions a day, right? But these are the most pivotal ones. What we, we would say, beginning with, you know, rosary, then meditation and spiritual reading. Now, the rosary, I would consider it like five decades of the rosary minimum is sort of like kindergarten in the spiritual life, like, Everyone should be doing this. You know, like this is Our Lady made it extremely clear at Fatima. Pray the rosary for souls and offer penance and all, but pray the rosaries. It's like an imperative, basically. You're not going to be able to advance to the other stuff if you can't if you can't get this down. So that's the first thing, five decades of the rosary. That's actually just a third of the rosary, the full rosary. 
you know, even in France, they say le rosaire, which, uh, which means 15 decades of the rosary. They say le chapelet, uh, the chaplet for just five decades. Um, there's a distinction there. So like our lady made it a third for us to be able to do. And still so many don't do it. So let's at least do that minimal amount. Okay. So that's one. And then meditation. We've talked a lot about this and how to form the resolution to make sure that you follow through with this resolution, the others, but just to recap, meditation is nothing else. St. Teresa would say than an intimate conversation with a friend we know who loves us. It's Christ who's in our soul. And so we want to spend the time to just, have silence, and there's a lot of avenues to get there. It could be, you know, some people use the Jesus prayer, um, the prayer of the heart, as they would say in French, uh, where you're just repeating, Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That allows you to enter more into his presence. Some use the Ignatian way of using your imagination and thinking of scenes in Scripture. You know, the Carmelite way is a little, well, there isn't really a Carmelite. The Carmelite way is kind of free-flowing. It says you can do any, any use any means as long as you get to the heart, which is conversation with Christ. And there's a whole bunch of other techniques, but the end goal is that conversation with Christ. That isn't just some Protestant thing. It's really at the heart of scriptures. Do we know Christ? Eternal life is to know, to know God. And, and we will be asked on judgment day, you know, we'll have to face the reality. Do we actually know Christ? There, he said, some will say, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, depart from me for I know you not. And so that's what this is all a matter of coming to know him through charity, through love dwelling in our soul. Okay, so that's meditation. Then finally, spiritual reading. That's like socialization from the saints that helps. In a lot of ways, when you do spiritual reading, it helps you with meditation, at least in the sense that it disposes you to want to go into meditation because you're just it just trains your mind to think in a way that's much more supernatural. Okay, so those I would recommend those three. You could have a few others in there, but I recommend not doing a whole lot more than three to five main resolutions as far as prayer goes on a daily basis some people if they can do daily mass i don't necessarily recommend that for everyone i think if you you know single and you don't have like a full-time job or you're you know whatever and you have time to do that then great but i would you know at least this is a lot of the guidance that i've been given a lot of priests i've spoken to at least get your daily prayer in every day you can do that you know you may not have the time to drive 20 minutes to go to mass and then be there for a half hour and then 20 minutes to leave and you know, but at least make sure you're doing your daily prayer. Um, that seems to be the consensus among all the good spiritual directors I've spoken to on this topic. So those are just basic resolutions. Now, yeah, uh, I mean, just to interject real quick. I mean, I don't know how everyone schedules it, but I think just you can divide your day up also. You know, I'll just share real quick what works for me best. Sure. Uh, and I think it's just, you know, my own, whether it's habits I have or when my, when my brain works, but definitely, and I'm a dad also, right? So I've got six kids at home. So the mental prayer is something that would be very difficult for me to try to accomplish when you know, the kids are running around. I, I need the quiet. So it is important for me to get up earlier. I'm usually uh, up before the kids in the house. And so the house is quiet and I can get that mental prayer done. You know, that might be some of the only times you can find it. I do sometimes also go to mass. Unfortunately, we have a, a mass early at 630. So a real nice thing for me to be able to do, for example, is to get there a little earlier even. You know, if I get there a good 15, 20 minutes before mass starts, then I've got this really quiet church and the tabernacle is there and the mental prayer is just that much better. So, again, not that everyone can do that. I get that. But, you know, make sure you carve out that time. And I think it's so key for consistency because our body is built and our brain is built into, like, habit. So if you have, like, the same spot, 
uh, the same time, those kinds of things, then, then your body and your mind are already ready to go into that mental prayer. And it's that much easier to, to fight the distractions if you're always trying to find when you're going to do it and it's varying each day from location in your house or somewhere else or the place or the time. Uh, it's, it's harder. Uh, then I, I'll do my spiritual reading in the evenings. It's easier now. I also, it, it can kind of get my brain working and clicking on things. And that sometimes, not sometimes, that definitely helps, I think, fuel my meditation in the morning. Because, you know, I guess the subconscious mind is, is thinking about the things you read, for example, in the evening before you go to bed. And then the rosary is our family rosary. So we usually will pray that, you know, early evening, either right before uh, dinner, sometimes right after dinner. Um, but we kind of get that in as a family. So, you know, that's kind of just one way of doing it. That There's other ways. But I guess the reason I bring that up is because what I do think would be difficult, and I'm not sure if anyone's thinking that, but like if you just said, oh, well, these are the three things David and Kevin said I should do. So I'm just going to like knock them all out. Like I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do a 15 minute rosary and I'm going to like read for 15 minutes, do my spiritual reading. I'm going to knock out 15 minutes of meditation and then I'm done. I, I guess it's possible, but I definitely think that might be a little harder, uh, especially on people's schedule. Yeah. And so the way I would look at this is the reason why I distinguish between resolutions and routine is because Sometimes your routine is going to be thrown off, depending on how volatile your life is. And I have some people whose lives are very volatile. Mine is somewhat included in that. So recognizing routine is like goal to strive for as far as if everything were ideal on just a normal day, what that would look like. But then having, okay, these are the things, even if the whole schedule gets thrown off, I'm going to make sure I check these off the box no matter what I need to do. Wherever they fit into my schedule, even if they don't go at their normal time, I'm going to make sure I do these things. Like if someone says, okay, I'm going to make sure I run a mile a day, you know, I'm going to try to do that at six in the morning, but some days for whatever reason I can't do it at six in the morning, you know, they're still going to do it because there's like, I said, I'm going to do it. I don't care that, you know, it's freezing outside or whatever. I'm just going to do it. You know, that's kind of the mindset when it comes to a resolution, like you're just going to do it. And so that's why that's kind of preliminary to, okay, now I know what I said I'm definitely going to do. Let's try to set up a routine, a schedule that would fit that. So going into that second section of the routine, like you're talking about, David, you want to, I, I would recommend breaking it up for various reasons, not only because it, it would be less uh, strenuous on your own, like, like this is spiritual activity. And if you aren't used to doing an hour of spiritual activity a day, it's going to, it's, it's going to take time for you to get used to that, you know, cause it's, it's more laborious than physical labor and more laborious than intellectual labor, actually, if you're really, if you're really doing it right. So uh, I would recommend breaking up. The other reason for that is because you don't want to have a sense of your spiritual life as too categorized as separate from the rest of your life. That's a big theme that I would emphasize as I go through, like, here are practical things to do, because there's a lot of people who can do practical things in the spiritual life, but don't advance a whole lot because they don't have a sense of this is integral to everything in my life. Like the goal is charity. The goal is growth and grace and every little aspect of my life. These are just kind of like laying the foundation. It's like laying the, uh, a wise spiritual advisor told me it's like the rhythm to a symphony or whatever, just the base, the base rhythm that allows you to play on top of it, but you still have that rhythm that that's going as you're, uh, you, you get the picture as, as you're, as you're, doing these foundational things, then the spiritual life plays on top of that in all the different facets of your life. So we're trying to lay that foundation for everything else. So uh, that said, as far as the routine goes, here are some of the major things that you'd want to take into account. Your wake-up time, the time that you go to bed or your lights out. If you're going to track your habits and who you'll do accountability with and when you'll do that, 
uh, what your morning routine is, what your night routine is, when you'll do your mental prayer, rosary, and spiritual reading, how often you'll go to Mass, how often you go to confession, what your fasting plan is, your mortification plan, and if and what day of the month you'll spend as a day of recollection or at least as a day of like two hours in solitude or whatever to kind of rejuvenate, think about what you're called to in your state of life, what God's calling you to, and regroup, recollect yourself, recollect yourself, um, and orient your soul toward toward eternity with all your daily activities. So I'll just kind of walk through to give some considerations on these, and then maybe, David, you can um, chime in, add your own thoughts, questions, uh, et cetera. Does that sound good? Yeah, no, that's good, because uh, it's definitely going to be interesting. People may have questions, and we invite you to do, you know, bring your questions. Um, Kevin, you're single, right? You're not married. Correct. And I am married. There's obviously going to be a difference there. You know, in fact, even just right now, the last thing you said, we'll get to it a little bit. But when Kevin said, you know, the day of the month that you're going to have a day of election when you get two hours to go, I was like, boy, it's, it's funny because when I, when I wasn't married, you know, you wanted to be around people and, and, and sort of have that social life and that interaction because you're probably also trying to look for the person you're going to marry. And then you get married. And then you have, the, you know, a lot of children. You have this full house. And the only thing you wish, how often my wife and I were talking about, boy, we wish we'd just get away, right? Just wish we could get some quiet and some peace. So definitely that, that's tougher and it can be done trying to carve out that time. Yeah. It'll be interesting. She would say, cause I definitely am not doing it once a month. Um, it's, you know, yeah, so it's an ideal to strive for that a lot of but anyway, Let's just, yeah, let's dive in and we'll make comments, we'll make questions, but other people do, you know, I mean, send us your questions as well. I mean, Kevin and I have the advantage. We're talking to each other right now and you're getting to listen, uh, but we do want to make this a little more interactive. So send us some feedback and then we might even have a future show where like some of the questions that come in, we could address them all. I think that'd be, that would be great. I think yeah, so. bearing on your, your situation, your circumstances, what you're going through. So, Kevin, take it away. Wake up yeah. time, lights it, out time. And I would say there, this should, like now we're diving into really concrete, practical stuff that it's going to vary much more widely from person to person. You know, And St. John of the Cross says, hardly will you find two souls that are half alike. So the whole journey and everything is going to look so different for each person. But I think just thinking through some of these things, is it's going to be a good exercise for everyone. And and the, do not take any of this as like this is dogma or whatever. This is just an exercise of thinking this through for you to apply. That's prudence, practical wisdom, applying speculative principles, taking the good, leaving the bad, leaving things that are irrelevant or curious or overly ambitious or whatever for your own life and, and applying it with prudence. So that's what I encourage the listeners to do. And I would actually start this all by saying for couples, one thing that I would recommend is uh, we've come up with like three things that we'd recommend couples that want to strive to live an interior life together to do. One is to regularly, even just for five minutes, to talk about their routine for prayer with each other and how they could help one another with that. You know, if it's, hey, can you watch the kids for 15 minutes in the evening or whatever, so I can get 15 minutes to pray or something like that. Just to be on the same page, because there's a lot of other things to talk about, that, that would show the prioritization of each other's prayer lives, which Cassie Kenubi says, like, is an extremely integral element to marriage, um, is helping one another develop an interior life. So, so quick um, aside, people might not know, Cassie Kenubi, a very important document by Pope Pius XI on marriage, uh, I think he wrote it maybe in 1929, December 31st, but you can look it up on papal encyclicals for those who are thinking of getting married, for those who are married. You know, that, that's a good document to read. It might be in some ways the most uh, helpful and authoritative kind of more you know, 20th century document that, that everyone should read. 
It's fantastic. And still very well grounded in the principles of the Catholic faith. Yeah, it is. Yes, it's clear on morals, but it's also really like it shows the levity, the, the, the beauty of marriage and, and men and women. It's, it's, it's really great. Okay, so then, so we had what time you'll pray. Just talk about that with one another. Pray together. I mean, some like rosary together, for example, or some prayer together. Because that, that's a way of just showing the unity over your prayer lives. And on that um, note, I mean, I'll just mention what you think. I mean, it can be hard for, for people to pray together, for couples, for, for married people to pray together. In large measure, I think it's because a lot of times your prayer is, one, a very intimate thing. It, it is pretty personal, you and God. And then, like we're talking like this, like mental prayer. Like you can't really do mental prayer together because you're doing it interiorly. You're doing it silently. So, I mean, some people do say, well, you know, we'll do mental prayer at the same time, um, which I, I mean, if it works for people, like it can work. But, you know, you're you also don't want to be distracting each other. I mean, that's part of the issue. Right. So, I mean, what I have found most effective, yes, is definitely like the rosary or anything where it can be like a call and response type prayer. The Psalms are really good for that, or even, I mean, even the Our Father, which, you know, that first half is one person, the second half is another. That's why the Rosary works, the Hail Mary. But you can do that with a lot of other prayers. You know, if you both have sort of the same prayer book, maybe it's the Recolta, maybe it's a Christian prayer book, and you look at these prayers, the two of you can pray it together, two people, and you can say, you know, I'll pray one sentence, you pray the next sentence, or anything like that, and then you're both reading and praying, and your mind gets into it, and, and you're staying with the prayer, because, you know, it's, it's your turn to pray out loud in, you know, one sentence from there, um, so it can be pretty effective, but there's something that, let's say, you're both following, if you don't go in with something, I find that it can be really just... Um, They'll scattered and, and then it's, and then actually you can wind up sort of like stepping on each other's toes <laughs> where, you know, one person wants to do something and the other person wants to do something else and, and it's tough. So I definitely like the, uh, the prayers, you know, like sort of the set prayers. Anytime you begin to pray with more than one person, even, I mean, Kevin and I are doing this at the start of the show, right? I mean, we're not just sort of like doing mental prayer to begin the show. We have a Hail Mary. We have a Glory Be. We have a prayer in the Holy Ghost. It's a set prayer that the church has given us. Merely because we're two individuals, and that's one way to pray. I know some people maybe get into what they call spontaneous prayer, and I, I'm not a fan of spontaneous prayer because usually it's like you wind up not so much talking to God with some of your spontaneous prayer when you're with a group of people, but it's almost like you're talking to the other person. You're telling them what you expect from them or what you want from them. You know, you can see it with my little children. I'll, I'll use them as an example. You know, little little John might say, "Oh dear God, please help my brother be nice to me and share his toys with me." It's like you know, and but adults do the same thing. Adults will do the same thing. So you do have to be a little careful with that, and that's why I like the more standard sort of set prayer that you can pray with someone else. Yeah, I, I think as far as the meditation, if you wanted to do that together, and I know couples that do, uh, the two the two ways would be one, you just do it at the same time in silence. And there's, I mean, like religious communities do that. It's it's a form of account, implicit accountability, you know, that you are there and you're not like on your phone or something. But then, you know, the other thing is you can do like, you know, a guided meditation where basically you just read out loud. Uh, say, you know, St. Francis Sales meditation at the beginning of the introduction of Outlife. You just read one consideration and you pause for like three minutes and then you read the next one. I mean, I'm not a huge, I don't, I don't like that as much because I like, I need a lot of freedom and flexibility to just kind of go where I feel led in prayer. But some, I, I know some people where that's been really helpful for them. So I think it's a lot of this is up to 
there's a lot of freedom for couples to kind of experiment. But I will say that, you know, I recently spoke to a couple. I was speaking down in Texas, and this couple came up to me and said that they started doing this basically together about a year ago, and it's, like, made their marriage way better, and they have way more peace, and they don't worry about things nearly as much. It's just gradually really just changed their lives doing this. So I just really highly recommend it. I know it's like, well, I don't really have time, but you actually find you have more time when you do this because your mind is more clear. You do things more efficiently. You know how to prioritize better. You do things in the right order. A lot of times we waste time or we're much less efficient because we don't do things in the right order or we get sidetracked with entertainment and gratification or whatever. It's just like it just gives you a clearer vision for your day and like just you, you, you just got to taste and see the goodness that comes from that union with our Lord. But the third thing that I recommended after talk about talk about your schedule of prayer and pray together is you can talk about things that after you pray or later in the evening or any inspirations you've received. You know, I think sometimes we're, we're reactionary against talking in a personal way about God because it's like, well, that's what the Protestants do or whatever. But really being like, no, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Ghost, the seven gifts are in our soul for our salvation. And being in tune with those is essential. It's an integral part of the interior life. And if you're growing in the interior life with someone, speaking about how God has inspired you or what, you know, whether it's he's inspired you with a great fear of going to hell, talking about that, or he's inspired you with a great sense of piety and, and trust in God's mercy, and, and understanding that we are actually adopted sons of God or knowledge of the vanity of things. And yet the divine spark, so to speak, in all of creation, you, whatever it is, talking about just talking about that with each other. I mean, it's just really beautiful to think of marriages that do that, you know, where it's that's that's an integral part, because then your whole life starts to get colored and, and you start to see providence in different ways. And you can talk about that. And this couple, for example, you know, they're, they're talking about how worries the things they used to worry a lot about just don't seem as significant anymore because things are put in perspective. So I just think that those three things, you, you put that together, and I think it, it really I, – I mean, I don't know. David, what do you think? Those three things. You're I mean, married. No, I, think, so. I was going to say on that third, I mean, I've kind of addressed, I think, the first two already. Um, but the third is, is so important, and I think, you know, you should just see the common sense of it because – you talk about things, you know, certainly when you're married, but even if you just had a friend. I mean, if, you, if you're reading a book, if you went and saw a movie, if you took a vacation and made a trip, if you had some interesting experience in life. I mean, all these different things that are happening to us. You went to a great restaurant and enjoyed the meal. You know, you, you found a new beer that you liked. I mean, all of these are things that we go and we share with people, and we're talking about them all the time. And that's what colors our relationships, and that's what sort of, you know, well, um, gives life to the friendship, the relationship. Yeah, exactly. But for some reason, yeah, it's almost like we have this uh, fear or like there's a taboo and I don't know where it comes from. If it's a societal thing or how we grew up, maybe that, well, if it's about God or, or my spiritual life, I can't talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's certainly not healthy. That's certainly not good. That's not how we're going to flourish spiritually. So if, again, you prayed, you know, it could be as simple, again, as something like you, you heard the gospel at mass or the 
priest preach something at the sermon. You know how great is it is if you're driving home. That's a custom we have in our family. I mean, I'm driving the car, so I'm dad, and and I'll just start asking the kids like, what did you think about with the gospel? You know, what what did you remember from the priest uh-huh. sermon? And so you have this family conversation, and it's neat just to see it grow. Like one person says something, and that sparks someone else, and yeah. that sparks someone else, and you can have some very interesting discussions. You know, we listen to audio sermons, for example. You can do that during Lent, family time. People listen to these sermons, and then you get conversations going on those topics. But that, that is very important. So certainly if you had a good meditation or if God just struck you with something or if you saw God's providence a certain way in your life or in your spouse's life or in your child's life, you share that with your spouse. Definitely it's going to draw the two of you closer uh, because you're sharing these more intimate matters, deeper personal things that mean something. And then it's about the things that really matter. It's about your spiritual life. So I definitely think you have to make the effort to speak about these things And that can really be a strengthening of your relationship with your spouse or with your friend or with your children and obviously with God. So we do need to incorporate that. It must be a part of our our regular life. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And that's the notion St. Paul talks about. He uses the Greek word koinonia, which refers to basically a community founded in grace that, you know, you have communities that are founded on certain goods um, on a natural level. In the church, in the mystical body, we are founded on we're, our, the good that we share is grace, is participation in God's life himself. And we share that amongst one another. And so don't just think your spiritual life just comes down to these particular resolutions that you do on your own. Those set that foundation. But a lot of times you can grow a lot in grace because you're growing in charity while you're sharing it with other people and they're sharing it with you. And, and, and God is looking to, you know, increase that grace in our souls in so many different ways. You know, when I was in a religious life, I, I was just reflecting on this. The novice master told us, yeah, in the liturgy and all, we find God. But a lot of times the way that God speaks to us is in those little interactions where we might be a little annoyed with one of the brothers or whatever. You know, it's like God speaks to us sometimes even more so in those little things, you know, and it can happen in a positive and negative way. But that it's just important to be attentive to grace in all those instances. So. I know I just veered off the three things for couples that that ties into routine, but I think it's really central. I, I wanted to make sure I brought it up. No, I think that's something that works for the the show because so many people are probably married that are going to be watching this. I think that's a good theme for us. I think uh, we're sort of running out of time here, Kevin. So maybe we can table this for the next time, continue yeah. the discussion. And we've gone over sort of what we're headed now. So people know we're going to be talking about this routine. Yeah. Uh, start sending in your questions, maybe your comments, your thoughts on this. And, you know, we certainly have three good tips that, again, it's ideal, ideal for spouses, but even even close friends uh, can do that. You know, Uh, like you're saying, in religious life, you could do that a bit. But certainly accountability is important here, as you've mentioned many times, I think, Kevin. Mm -hmm. And and when you have a friend that you can share some of that with periodically, again, that's good. And that can be part of your plan of life that you're going to get together and talk group of you know young men or young women that get together and they discuss the things that are kind of going with them or one on one. That's another thing I do. I mean, I've got a group of men that I meet with, and we try to meet once a month where we, we start off with a little bit of prayer. And we try to support each other as, as fathers because we're all dads and we have kids. Um, and, and those kinds of support groups are, are very helpful, very important. Totally. All right. Well, then, um, I think this was a lot of material that maybe we didn't quite expect but needed to be said. Uh, we'll dive in on the next show, some of the more specifics that you brought up and the plan of life. Is there a place on the website, by the way, that somebody can go and look at this plan of life? Is that available? It's not on the public. It's on our app, which is on the website. So if you go to our app, then you can get it on there. So you got to have the app. All right. Very good. Let's go ahead and close. Uh, we'll just close with a Hail Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.
Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedita tui mulieribus et benedictus fructus ventris, tu Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in hora mortis nostrae. Amen. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Santo. Sicut erat in principio et nunc et semper et in secula seculorum. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. We'll see you soon for the next show. Thanks again for joining us, Kevin. God bless. Thanks, David. This presentation has been brought to you by the Fatima Center. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. For more resources regarding the spiritual life, the Catholic faith, and the message of Fatima, and to support our vital apostolate with a donation, please visit our website, Fatima.org, or call us at 1-800-263-8160. May all we do be for the greater glory of God and the salvation of souls. St. Henry and St. Cunegonde, pray for us.